if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we get rolling at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday. A free for all Friday indeed. It is the 22nd morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Why am I overemphasizing free for all Friday? We uh, have been so guest heavy this week with some very important people who have joined us to share some very important information. Uh, we just haven't had a ton of time to let you have your say. So we cleared the decks until 1035, when I will talk to Steve Moore, former economic advisor to President Donald J. Trump. Uh, Steve Moore will join us to talk about the state of the economy, the state of the um, state of Ohio. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get him to narrow scope that for us with, with respect to the economy and how long it's going to take us to undo the damage that has been done by the cure not by the disease, not by the virus. So Steve Moore will be our only guest. So between now and then, we will be wide open for your phone calls. Uh, we had some periodic uh, episodes of serious monologuing going on as well. 216-901-0945. That's the number, 216-901-0945, If you want to get us uh, and reach me without sitting on hold, you can do that by social media at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Radio, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Parler, and I look forward to hearing from you there as well. Don't forget, you can listen to us anywhere, anytime, by way of our website at whkradio.com. No matter how bad uh, your building may be as far as allowing radio signals in, you can listen to it streaming by way of radio.com, iHeartRadio, and our free mobile app, which is, of course, 1420 The Answer. Just search for it on your app store. All right. Let's get started. How many times are we going to wake up to headlines like this? Yesterday, we woke up to headlines that said, CDC now says you can't catch the Chinese coronavirus from surfaces. Now, they they didn't say specifically can't because they have to try to um, water it down a little bit because of their own public embarrassment on this. They've been telling everybody to be terrified of touching a doorknob or touching a handle of something else or, uh, you know, or anything, quite frankly. Um, Otherwise, you're going to get the dreaded Chinese coronavirus. That's what they've been telling us. Wear gloves. Use hand sanitizers. Don't touch things. Stay out of public places. If you touch it, you could get you could get killed, essentially. 
Then they came out yesterday and said, yeah, not so much. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention changed its guidance on surfaces, saying that the new coronavirus does not spread easily by touching surfaces or other objects. It's more of an airborne thing. Hey, thanks. We appreciate that, CDC, after you coerced uh, 50 states an entire nation into shutting down its businesses because people are afraid to touch anything that wasn't in their home. And, oh, by the way, they're afraid to touch things in their home if it came from outside their home, which is, well, everything. Everything comes from outside your home. Well, you better wipe it down with antibacterial wipes because uh, it could be sitting on the surface. It could be on the cardboard box from that Amazon package you received. It could be on whatever's inside the Amazon package that you received. It could be on your groceries. Wipe everything down. Yeah. And then yesterday, eh, never mind. Sorry about that. Um, it's, it's not going to live on surfaces, and it's not going to be transmitted on surfaces. Okay. Now today we wake up to more ineptitude from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Headline from The Hill, CDC acknowledges mixing up coronavirus testing data. CDC acknowledges mixing up coronavirus testing data. How can that be? We have literally been hearing them scream that the key to opening states back up is going to be testing, 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 testing. Now the organization at the heart of the testing is saying, yeah, we're screwing it all up. Testing doesn't matter much when you are combining the results of the tests for the coronavirus with the test for the antibodies, which indicated you recovered from the coronavirus. Do you have any idea what a game changer this is? The CDC, in acknowledging that their testing data is flawed to the point where They essentially said we have been combining, in some cases, antibodies tests with positive uh, uh, COVID-19 tests. It essentially means that every single day when the coronavirus task force reports the new number of of, uh, of, uh, uh, positive cases and the number of hospitalizations and the number of deaths, every time... Uh, Governor Acton and her assistant, Mike DeWine, sit up there at 2 o'clock in Columbus and give us the latest numbers in Ohio. Every time, you can just turn the volume down during that part. Just, Just look away. Do not buy the numbers. They have either been lying to you or they have been incompetent. I don't know which. Uh, It's leaning a little bit toward incompetence now with their admission and acknowledgement that, yeah, we've been screwing this up. Here's the story from The Hill. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention acknowledged Thursday that it is combining the results from the viral and antibody COVID-19 tests when reporting the country's testing totals, despite marked differences between the tests. First reported by NPR, the practice has drawn ire from U.S. health experts who say combining the test inhibits the agency's ability to discern the country's actual testing capacity. You have got to be kidding me, said Ashish Jha, director of the Harvard Global Health Institute, talking to The Atlantic. How could the CDC make that mistake? This is a mess. 
viral tests, commonly referred to as PCR tests, as most of them use a process known as polymerase chain reaction, are used by health professionals to determine whether or not a person is currently infected with the disease. During the pandemic, viral tests have been the most effective way of being able to diagnose a positive case of COVID-19. They are what state governments have been counting to track the number of confirmed cases of the virus that they have, which we see every day by Governor Acton. Antibody or serology tests serve a different purpose. Unlike viral tests that are taken by nose swab or saliva sample, antibody tests examine a person's blood to see if their immune system has created antibodies to combat COVID-19. These tests allow doctors to see if someone has previously been exposed to the virus. As the push for widespread testing in the U.S. has strengthened, antibody tests have been widely produced. Many experts have balked at saying the antibodies equate to immunity from COVID-19. Serology tests are also less accurate than PCR tests, increasing the chances for false negatives. Moreover, a negative test means different things for either test. A negative PCR test indicates to physicians the patient isn't currently ill with the disease. But a negative serology test means the patient has most likely not been exposed to or infected with COVID-19. The viral testing is to understand how many people are getting infected, while antibody testing is looking is like looking in the rearview mirror to see who has already had it. The two tests are totally different signals, Ja told The Atlantic. So, bottom line here is the CDC doesn't know what in the living H it's doing. The CDC, which decided not to, and I'm not going to complain about this. Remember the beginning of this whole thing, at the end of February, beginning, beginning of March, the criticism of the Trump administration was that we got a late start on widespread testing. And the reason for that was we didn't want to take the testing kits provided by China. CDC wanted to create their own test. So the CDC kind of owns this lock, stock, and barrel. They created their own test from the beginning, and now we find out two and a half months into this nonsense, they are combining the results of coronavirus tests with antibodies tests, which means the numbers are useless, pointless, meaningless, Factless. Now, why would everybody be so quick to accept false numbers like these? And the answer can only be to advance the agenda, to keep people afraid. Oh, my God, we just had 700 more people uh, be uh, tested positive yesterday. Oh, my goodness. To keep them terrified to keep them, oh my goodness, saying, how can anybody open up a restaurant during this terrible time? Don't you know that there are more people getting this virus? And don't you know that 0.05% of them actually might die? That's right, 99.95% of them don't die. But the panic has been sold to the people by the CDC, and by left-leaning organizations, the left-leaning media. That's right. I said it, media. You have your agenda, and you were following it to the letter. And now the CDC says, yeah, we've uh, we've kind of uh, botched that a little bit. 
In a statement, CDC spokesperson Kristen Nordland told The Hill that when the agency began to track coronavirus testing, viral tests were far more commonly used nationwide than serology. So they didn't bother checking to see which ones were being tested. Uh, Tests for the antibodies or tests for the actual virus. According to reports in several states, uh, including Pennsylvania, Georgia, Texas, Florida, they have also been combining the results of the two tests. <laughs> combining of the tests lead to the skewing of the overall positivity rate of the test, a measurement that uh, is one of the benchmarks used in the reopening guidelines released by the White House and, yes, the CDC. I suspect this will artificially lower the percent positive, you think? Said an epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins, the White House guidelines say that for a state to reopen, it must observe a downward trajectory in its daily uh, number of daily cases or its percentage of positive cases. So the news today is not only have we been lied to, we have been victims of gross malpractice and incompetence at the highest levels of our health departments, the CDC. And maybe that's why President Trump yesterday said, by the way, if there's a recurrence, if there's a surge, we've already flattened the living H out of the curve. All right, that's not even a thing. Our hospital beds are empty. We have flattened the curve and jumped up and down on it, run it over uh, with a steamroller. It's not rising back up again, right? But if there is some sort of a spike, a second wave of the coronavirus, President Trump said yesterday, we are going to put out the fires, but we are not going to close the country. We can put out fires, the president said, whether it's an ember or a flame, we'll put it out, but we are not closing the country again, country again, excuse me. You know, it's as if the president, when he was making his tour of the Ford factory yesterday and speaking to this stuff, you know, wants to say we shouldn't have done it the first time. He can't because he did. Well, he didn't. Uh, Governors of states did, but they did so with guidance from the White House. Um, He can't say that. As a matter of fact, he said we did the right thing before, but now it's time to open it up. And I would question that statement a little bit. I don't think he means that. I think he means, look, we we really thought it was going to be bad, and we really overreacted to it, and now we're never going to make that mistake again. All right, it's 920, a lot of ground to cover here, and as I said, a lot of time for you to call today. We are guest-free until 1035 when Steve Moore, former economic advisor to President Trump, will join us. So if you want to join me and talk about where the state of Ohio is right now, if you want to talk about how much fun it's going to be to plan your wedding for this summer, and now you can bring up to 300 people to it, but you must stay in your seats. You can't dance. You can't socialize. You can't go table to table. Bride and groom, stay up at the head table. You get up and leave. You get up and walk around and start greeting your guests at your wedding. There's probably going to be a DeWine spy in the room, and they're going to report you and the facility. Good luck. So you want to get into all of that, let's do it. 216-901-0945. Right back after this. You know, I talked about this yesterday, about the ridiculous rules that are still in place, even though restaurants opened yesterday for inside dining. And if you're at a restaurant or at a bar and you're uh, just hanging around drinking, you must be seated. You may not stand. The virus will attack the standing. Or something like that. But uh, the ridiculous rules. You cannot socialize. You cannot be at one table and then go and join people at another table. You'll be bringing the deadly virus with you. Now they're going to destroy and ruin people's wedding receptions. 
while somehow finding a way to sound magnanimous, like we're doing something wonderful for you, this wonderfully selfless thing. We're going to allow you to have 300 people at your wedding receptions starting on June 1st. Aren't we glorious for reopening that possibility for you, except for the fact that who's going to want to go to a wedding reception that amounts to a half-hour meal? Well, you can't go up and hug the bride. You can't go up and shake the hand of the groom. You can't be received in a receiving line by groomsmen and bridesmaids. You can't dance. Not with the bride, not with your own wife. Nobody. DeWine spokesman Dan Tierney said, we recognize there are a lot of weddings and events that are important in people's lives, and they should go on. But we're asking that it be done safely. No, you're asking that it be done. I can't use the word I want to use here. Dan Tierney said after the briefing that the state's limit on mass gatherings of more than 10 people remains in place. 10 people, maximum amount of people allowed to come to your barbecue in your backyard, in your private home. But we will allow 300 to get together in the wedding reception. It's just that they have to stay in small groups of 10 at their tables, socially distanced from one another. (laughs) Tierney clarified the uh, 300-person limit was per facility. Uh, DeWine said the most important thing is for people to keep their distance. Caterers made a really good point. They said, look, we have have a place we can do it. We can provide the exact same distancing that a restaurant can. That argument makes sense, DeWine said. None of this makes sense, you bumbling, bespectacled buffoon. None of this makes sense. How can you tell people to go to a gloriously happy event and not go up and congratulate the gloriously happy uh, couple? How can you tell people they can't go to a wedding reception and socialize with one another? You stay seated at your table of ten, and oh, by the way, The fact that people aren't going to be coming from one household to sit at your table of 10. I don't know how many people's houses have 10 in them, by the way. But considering the fact that guests at tables in receptions, wedding receptions, come from all over the place. There's work friends, there's friend friends, there's neighbors, there's relatives, etc., etc. They're all jammed together in various weird uh, collections at various tables. They're not coming from one place. So what difference does it make? If you have five couples sitting at a table of ten, coming from five different cars, five different houses, and if they're couples, probably from ten different workplaces, where they're exposed to ten different types of potential for germs, they're all put together at a table. But the people one table over, who have their own mess of ten, aren't allowed to intermingle? How do you know which one of them has the virus? Mikey D? How do you know? How do you know who to separate from whom? Well, we separate everybody. Let me put it to you this way. For his restaurant policy to make sense, for his wedding reception policy to make sense, for his ridiculous, invented, made-up, social distancing baloney to make sense, it would have to be a table for two. Everyone must be at their own table. Or at least the number of people coming from the same car can be at that table. If you can fit four in your car, if you've got a minivan and you can fit seven and you've already been exposed to each other, okay, you can sit together, but everybody must sit separate from everybody they didn't come with. Now, would that be ridiculous? Yes. 
Would it be any more ridiculous than making it up as you go and allowing 300 people to get together, but they must be separated separated out at 30 tables of 10, even if they all came from different places? Is it any more ridiculous than that? No. Mike DeWine doesn't have a clue what he is doing. And neither does the walking lab coat that's writing all of his orders for him. They are making things up that make no sense at all. They have zero basis in science. Zero. There is no science to this nonsense, and yet they want to tell us to listen to the science. The science is being practiced by the CDC, who just said, yes, sorry about that, the numbers are wrong. We're adding positive tests with antibody tests. Oops-a-daisy, our bad. We'll be right back. Very well done. Very well done. Not at any wedding uh, that you're going to go to this summer. And Lord only knows how much longer than that. See, what's what's so frustrating about this is if you were to ask the, the lab coat or uh, the, the, uh, the mini-me next to her, uh, what's the science behind this? They will have no answer whatsoever. They will just say, oh, coronavirus is a deadly disease. Don't you understand? It's, you're taking your life into your hands. And more importantly, you could be killing other people. I don't know I just, I just, why I just went Heath Ledger's Joker there, but I did. Um, literally, they have no answer for that. You know what else they don't have any answer for? How they can continue to lie to us about the actual uh, threat of death in the state of Ohio. I'm going to your phone calls immediately. Just This is a quick fact I want to share. I got from a friend who got it from uh, Karen Kassler yesterday uh, with the Ohio Channel, from the Ohio Channel. Um, I don't know if that's called Ohio Channel. But anyway, here's the death total yesterday from Corona.Help in the state of Ohio, 1781, the death total in the state of Ohio. According to Karen Kassler from the Ohio Channel, I am told 79% of those deaths have been in nursing homes. And I t- Jack Windsor had this for us earlier this week. He said that since April 16th, um, 67% of the deaths have been in the nursing homes, or the long-term care facilities, right? He said it's more than that going back from the 15th and earlier. So that must be what we have here. So 79% of the deaths are happening in nursing homes, leaving roughly 350 who didn't die in nursing homes. So then the question was asked, uh, it was question was posed by the Ohio ACLU about how many people have died in Ohio's prisons. And it turns out that number is 64. 61 inmates and three staff have died inside Ohio's prisons. So if you take the, the number of people who have died in the prison settings, take the number of people who have died in the nursing home and long, long-term care settings, and subtract them from the number of uh, uh, overall deaths in the state of Ohio related to the COVID-19 virus, you got about 289 people who live and walk and talk in general populations, meaning not gen pop in prison, I mean, who just live in their normal daily lives. 289 people have died 
out of a population of 11.7 million Ohioans. And that's why we're still telling people you can't stand up and drink at a bar. You can't, you still can't go into the gyms, right? That's not until the 26th. Can't go work out. You can't go to a wedding after June 1st uh, with, uh, without uh, being chained to your chair. You're not allowed to get up and move to another table to socialize and greet other people. I mean, honestly, the numbers are staggeringly low. And Mike DeWine still wants to get on Twitter and on, uh, on TV every day and tell you, you know, you've got to keep your distance, got to keep your distance, got to wear your mask, got to wear your mask. People are dying. People are dying. No, they're not. Statistically speaking, it is so insignificant, it's impossible to even quantify. But that's what we're dealing with. All right, uh, anything you want to say, anything you want to talk about, any avenue or discussion point that you want to make on this issue or anything else, open li- open lines means uh, free for all Friday. That means anything you want to say, we'll take. 216-901-0945. Navy man Norm has been waiting for a while already. Norm, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, my lovely wife of 46 years pointed out to me, it's interesting that whenever these numbers go up, uh, 72 hours after uh, states open, Suddenly, the numbers go up. Now, isn't that interesting? It takes 14 days for the uh, illness to uh, incubate into a person, uh, plus testing and that. But within 72 hours, the numbers have gone up. I, I find that interesting, don't you? I do. I do, although I have seen variable uh, incubation periods. I have seen some as little as 72 hours, three days, but the max going out to 14 days. So it can kind of happen any time between those. Yeah. And then uh, just just to add fuel to the fire, I went for my annual physical this past week, mm-hmm. and uh, my doctor of 25 years told me that this is the biggest scam perpetrated on the American people. My own doctor told me this, okay? She said the overreaction of the country is just unbelievable. And the fact that one out of every four cancer patients has not been treated or is not being treated and is causing more harm to the general population as far as you know, people who have cancer is just unbelievable. And that the number of deaths from people uh, reverting to alcohol, drugs, domestic violence is going to be off the charts. But these morons, Mr. Peepers and his lab coat, uh, don't see that at all. She also made a comment to me, or he, I'm sorry, he also made a comment to me that really blew my mind that the walking lab coats wanted to keep Ohio closed down until August. August. And fortunately, our uh, people posing or masquerading as uh, leaders in the state of Ohio convinced her otherwise. But the walking lab coat wanted to keep Ohio logged up, locked down until August. Yeah, uh, so, that does not surprise me at all. I, I, uh, I'm glad to learn. Well, I'm not glad to learn it. I'm glad that I know about it since it happened. But your doctor is not alone, uh, Norm. There are many, many physicians who are starting to speak out, not, uh, not in necessarily in doctor patient settings like you just had. Thanks for the call, my friend. But they're starting to speak out because they're tired of being silenced. See, here's what, ha- here's what's really happening. <clears throat> and by the way, the uh, mumbling, bubbling lab coat, who I don't even know if is if she's a board-certified physician, to be 100% honest with you, and I don't know that she's ever treated a patient in her life that wasn't uh, somebody who's about to have an abortion. And I mean that very seriously. I was try- A lot of people have been trying to look at her three different names and look back at her career and look at where she studied, when she graduated, where she went right after that. She has been in medical policy and uh, uh, in, in you know, positions of 
of policy and policy making uh, much, much more than she has been in the position of being an actual physician. And most of her physician's work, again, has been on behalf of abortion clinics and abortionists. So that, that we've been able to find. Now, maybe there's more. But I've been looking for a time that she actually served as a pediatrician, actually saw patients on a regular basis, actually healed and diagnosed and did actual doctor's work. I can't find it yet. So just to point that out about who, who uh, uh, Amy Acton uh, really is. But the good news, two, two pieces of good news, actually, or actually two responses to what Norm just said. Number one, thankfully, uh, the judge, and we talked about this a couple of days ago, did indeed um, strike down her executive order as being unconstitutional when she said this is in a lawsuit uh, filed by several Ohio gyms saying that they have been arbitrarily discriminated against by this order and she has no right to actually close down all quote non-essential businesses in the state of Ohio so the fact that the courts are starting to see these cases hear these cases many many lawsuits against Acton and DeWine and and ruling uh, on the side of the people is a very good sign but the second part is, uh, with respect to what uh, uh, Navy Man Norm just said, many doctors want to have these public statements and not just talk to them in private settings with their patients like this. And they're silenced. They're silenced by the other members of the medical community who, cha- who, who are, are chastising them for daring to you know, violate and go against the orthodoxy uh, that, is, that is currently you know, the, the, you know, the, the rule of the day, if you will. Um, in the same way that media members are. I've got a story that I was hoping to talk about with you today, if I have enough time, and I can give you just a really thumbnail sketch of it now, of Catherine Harridge at CBS. Catherine Harridge used to be at Fox. She's been with CBS now for a little over a year, I think. And she is daring to cover the Obamagate scandal uh, by where the truth leads her. She's daring to actually cover what happened to General Flynn and what uh, the the newly declassified uh, notes say from uh, uh, from the Department of Justice, and she's following it and reporting it in a manner that is different than the way everybody else in mainstream media is reporting it. NBC, ABC, uh, the you know the um, uh, Alphabet networks, MSNBC, and CNN, and so forth. They're, of course, all in on uh, trying to defend Obama, defend uh, uh, Comey, defend Biden, their candidate, and so on and so forth. Well, Catherine Harridge is actually reporting the truth that is, that is laid out in the declassified documents. And guess what they're doing to her? Trying to destroy her. Her fellow CBS colleagues are going behind her back to undermine her to try to get her removed. Democratic politicians and Democratic uh, supporters are screaming, what the hell is Catherine, excuse me, what in the H is Catherine Herridge doing here, telling people the truth and completely uh, undermining the rest of our narratives that Obama and his, um, uh, and his uh, Department of Justice and the FBI underneath him were all you know, sparkling clean. What's she doing? And that's what they do. They bully other reporters into not telling the truth. Uh, by ruining their careers. Well, now that's happening with doctors. Navy Man Norm's doctor is not the only one. Uh, a lot of them want to come forward and say, this is baloney. What is being done to us is, is, is a big scam in response. Not that the virus doesn't exist, but that the response has been a big scam with a lot of ulterior motives. And they're just now starting to get the courage to come out. I've got an audio clip here, 21 minutes of straight-up clarity from Dr. Jeff Markey in, uh, um, I think it's Ventura County, California. Uh, he's, he's spoken out twice now. 
And he, of course, is being attacked. He's being threatened. His family's being threatened because he's out there telling the truth. This is a guy on the front lines. This guy sees COVID patients, not like Dr. Labcoat, who doesn't see patients and who doesn't work in a lab, and yet she brings that white coat out to say, look at me, I'm a doctor, I'm right, every single time she appears. But this guy actually sees him, and, and there are others like him. Many of them are being silenced. I have an article, and I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, and I'm chasing it, and I apologize, but I have an article. Um, uh, uh, you know, it was written by Breitbart, and that will dismiss it according to some who will say, oh, that can't be trusted. But no, it's just a survey of, of physicians, and there are scores of doctors who are terrified that if we continue these lockdowns in these states any longer, there are going to be thousands of more deaths, but not from COVID but from people suffering from real other diseases that are not being seen. They're terrified to go into a facility because they've been uh, told that uh, the COVID is in all of the health facilities. And they're, they're, so they're on lockdown, and they are essentially living with their diseases, basically, uh, or rather than going inside and getting, being checked out uh, and having their conditions evaluated and having new courses and prescriptions uh, given to them, Courses of treatment given to them. So there, there's a ton of doctors who feel this way, the way that Navy Man Norm's doctor does, but just aren't, aren't allowed to say it, at least right now. But they're starting to come out. They're starting to get a little bit of courage, but they need to be supported because otherwise, by the others in the, uh, uh, in the leftist community, they're going to be attacked. All right. I know I went way too long on that, but it was a really important point. Matt in Columbus. Columbus? Okay. Hey, Matt, you're on the air. Good morning. Go ahead. Okay. Keep up the great work, Bob. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank so here's the question. And the question I posed to Larry Householder's office a couple of days ago. Young man answered the phone. And I said to him, what is the metric being used whereby the governor and Dr. Acton can tell us we can stop the social distancing and wearing of masks? I said, because... None of us want to wear masks. The social distancing is a bunch of crap, blah, blah, blah. But what is the metric that they are using? I've never heard an answer to this. So the young man said to me, well, we're abiding by the local health groups, et cetera, and the CDC. And after we got done talking, I said to him, okay, what are they? What are the metrics? What have they told you? I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard the governor acting to say, at this point in time, we can now stop. I would like somebody to ask this guy that question, because we can't do this forever. I'm not doing it. And we're not, as Ohioans, as free people, as Americans, they can't force this. There is no answer to this question. They would just soon, as soon do it indefinitely. But I'd like the question asked of this guy and his beloved doctor. It's been asked, stop? though. It, but, Matt, it's been asked. It has been asked by Jack Windsor down there at those daily press briefings. He he asked him a few weeks ago, the first time I heard from or heard about Jack Windsor, who's a very, very strong independent reporter uh, covering these things. First I time heard I heard of day, him, yeah. yeah, he asked him directly, what are you waiting for specifically? What metric has to be met before you will open up Ohio completely? Not just saying, well, businesses are back open, but the restrictions lifted where people can socialize again. People can go where they want, move where they want, sit when they want, stand what they want, talk to whomever they want, hit on a girl in a bar if they want, legally, of course. What is the metric? And he has no answer. It's just, well, we have to maintain our, 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 our practices, our safe practices guidelines because this is still a very deadly disease 
days, and we don't want to underestimate it. He has no answer, Matt. You didn't get an answer because there is no metric. It is indefinite. Her orders, and thanks for the call, my friend. i got to get out. Um, her orders always have an end date, but then she just, when that end date comes, she just extends it for another 30 days. This is indefinite. Until what? Until 18 months from now when there's a, a potentially a vaccine that may or may not even work? Because there is no vaccine for SARS. There is no vaccine for the swine flu. There is no vaccine. The, the, the flu shots that we have that are supposed to, quote-unquote, vaccinate us or inoculate us against the flu every year are garbage. They work maybe half the time on half the people because it's a guess as to what strain of the flu is going to come around. So they're waiting for this magical pixie dust to be put into a vial and jammed into your arm to say, now you'll never get COVID, and it may never exist. So the, 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 the restrictions that you're talking about, the masks and the distancing and all of the, uh, uh, Ob- I mean, uh, uh, DeWine spies, the DeWine drones are going to be hovering over every uh, social gathering area to make sure people don't come within six feet of each other or else they're going to get fined or cited or the bar owners are going to lose their licenses. That's going to go on forever. Until they give us an answer to your question, what is the metric by which this you will uh, have the uh, 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 the decision made to lift all restrictions? They don't have a, such a metric, which means it's going to go on indefinitely. I'm getting fired up. I'm glad we're doing a free for all Friday. More of your calls right after this. So here are the uh, some of the facts from the Breitbart story I was telling you about before. As the restrictions put in place by the federal and state government to prevent the spread of the virus morph from weeks to months, physicians said on a conference call with reporters on Tuesday that the real threat to Americans is not the virus, it's the lack of access to health care. It's fear, not the virus, that is leading to dangerous and deadly health outcomes, from children falling behind on routine vaccinations to people with serious conditions like heart disease and depression staying at home instead of seeking help. I just feel that there's a very big disconnect between what the average American thinks is going on and what's actually going on, said Dr. Simon Gold, an emergency room physician on the call. Gold told reporters about a middle-aged woman she met in an emergency room, or oh, Simone, not Simon, sorry, uh, who had uh, fallen while attempting to color her own hair because she couldn't go to a salon. The woman had a broken hip and shoulder and required surgery. Dr. Mark McDonald, a psychiatrist who specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry, said on the call that for the first time in his 10 years of practicing, he lost a patient. The woman who suffered from depression and had struggled with drug addiction died at home alone of an opioid overdose. I am certain that the cause of her death was due to withdrawal of support from the community and the withdrawal of her ability to be in school, her inability to deal with the added stress. And the story goes on. I got tons more of uh, information there. But doctors are speaking out and saying, the cure is killing people. The cure is killing people just as assuredly as the viruses, and in fact, probably more so. And they they are just starting to find their voice because they have been told to shut up. It's only about the virus. It's all about the virus. Fairview, Joe, AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Joe. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I just wanted to call in and say if, if if there was ever an argument against single-payer, government-controlled health insurance, we're looking at it. 
you know, to, to consider where we're looking, there's no science, between, like you say, behind what these guys are saying here at, at the state level. And, and they're out there, they're misrepresenting data, they're hiding data, and they're promoting the falsification of data with some of these death certificates. It's just incredible. And how do we hold them accountable? We, we can't recall the governor. We can't That's recall right. the state senator or state representative. And, and we look at it, what's our recourse against these people who, if they were in the private sector, they would have been fired months ago. Oh, no question. I'm, Pardon? If if I, I said no question, you're right, uh, Joe. If uh, if Amy Acton had been in any private sector job and been ha- as wrong as she has been about uh, uh, the the entirety of this threat and what our re- response to it should be. If she was in a private job, she would have been fired. But because she works for Mike DeWine and is untouchable, she's got billboards saluting her for her for her courage in battling this terrible disease. Uh, it's a game. We're all being played. Thank you for the call, Joe. I appreciate it. It's 10 o'clock. we got more open lines, another half hour of them before our first guest at 1035. We'll talk to Steve Moore, who is a former... Uh, President Trump economic advisor. We'll talk to him about the rebound uh, that the economy is going to have to make in order to uh, help Americans survive this. That's right. The cure has already become worse than the disease, which is the one thing President Trump said we cannot allow to have happen. It has happened. We'll talk to Steve more about it. Coming up. On-